Cheeseheads. Cheeseheads. Get on your feet. It's Curd and Law. Hosted by Sparky Pfeiffer and Ryan Horvath. Hey, it's Sparky Pfeiffer, 1250 AM, The Fan in snowy, like Milwaukee, Wisconsin, here on Friday, January 12th, as we get ready for Packers and Cowboys, another fine edition of Curd and Long, which, of course, you can download on your Odyssey app, or if you download fine podcasts at, check us out streaming on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page as well. This one will not be on YouTube as I'm flying solo today, not because Ryan couldn't do it, but because of the snowstorm. Uh, we decided we were going to do it at home, and my Wi-Fi uh, had all kinds of issues at home. So I drove in uh, in the snowstorm or whatever this is that's going on outside uh, to the radio station to record it here. And by this point now, Ryan has already headed into his Bet MGM Tonight job for this evening. So you have me solo today. Confident, concerned, and curious as we get ready for Packers and Cowboys Sunday afternoon. Uh, in the wild card round of the NFL playoffs, and the latest update from Matt LaFleur prior to uh, me recording here on Friday is that Christian Watson uh, and Jair Alexander both listed as questionable. And I thought at the press conference a fair question was asked. I think it was Jason Wilde. You don't get to see these people, so you're trying to do it by voice alone. I think it was Jason Wilde. Uh, who asked uh, whether or not this was gamesmanship, again, by Matt LaFleur, who admitted... And I'm not sure why he would actually ever share this with the media, but either way, he did. Uh, last week, that when they were acting like Christian Watson had a chance to play, he knew darn right well there was no chance Christian Watson was going to play in that game, and that it was kind of a gamesmanship thing, and kind of laughed about it. Well, now because you said it out loud, now nobody in the media is going to trust that you're actually telling them the truth when you start talking about, oh, we think he might have a chance. Like that, so now the question is, well, is it gamesmanship? Well, here, here's a clue. If it is gamesmanship, he's not going to tell you on Friday before the game if he's messing around again based on what he said. He's just not. So, of course, he said, oh, no, no, it's not gamesmanship. No, no, no. That's not what it is. Again, if it is, he's not going to tell you. So, from that point, asking the question, to me, seems kind of pointless because he goes, oh, yeah, it's gamesmanship. Well, it's not anymore. You just ruined the whole thing, right? So, either way. So, uh, we'll see if Christian Watson plays. I I guess I have um, high, high doubts that he'll actually play. Uh, Jair Alexander, who has this freak ankle injury, stepping on somebody in a damn walkthrough. Uh, also is listed as questionable going into this game. And same thing there. Uh, LaFleur said, well, this is a true game time decision. We're giving him as much time as possible to get ready for the game. I'm going to tell you the scary proposition in this deal with Alexander. With Watson, not scary. You've been playing without Watson. You've been winning without Watson. The offense is clicking without Watson. Like You'll be fine. But Joe Barry's comments on Thursday talking about you know if Jair plays or doesn't, Pretty much said, I want to have the game plan that we have with Jair. I don't want to have to try and figure something else out. Uh, So, obviously, there has to be a plan A and a plan B. And plan B is dramatically different than plan A when you're playing against C.D. Lamb and the Dallas Cowboys. Right? And you have a much better chance of victory if you have a healthy Jair Alexander out there uh, playing in that game. So, if Jair doesn't play... We start talking about game time decisions. Again, I have my doubts that he's actually going to play this week. Uh, but that would be a huge lift if he can play and be effective, right? If Jair is out there 60% and is limping around trying to play through it, um, is he really helping or hurting you at that point, even though he's trying to give it his all? That's a question that you know that coaching staff and Jair will have to ask themselves, depending on how far along he is in the healing process with this rolled ankle or whatever it is uh, that he has. Then there's A.J. Dillon, uh, the Packers running back, uh, that is listed as doubtful. 
So it doesn't appear uh, A.J. Dillon will play in this game against the Cowboys, which, at the end of the day, is it a huge deal? I don't know if it's a huge deal. You know, you like the the power element to offset what you have with Aaron Jones because nobody else you have on this roster can give you that, that ability to kind of wear on people and knock people backwards uh, and grind it out and make it harder for them in the fourth quarter. Uh, so from that aspect, it hurts a little bit. But again, I don't... I don't think it's end of the world. I don't think it destroys the offense and makes it hard for them to score or anything like that. I think they'll be just fine playing without A.J. Dillon. Um, so th- those are the injuries that LaFleur brought up at the press conference. Those three specifically uh, that he's concerned about. It appears everybody else is healthy and ready to go. The other thing that we learned um, and the press conferences on Thursday were, was rather interesting to me. Uh, number one, uh, Adam Stenovich, the Packers offensive coordinator. Now remember... He had been the Packers offensive line coach uh, for a couple of years prior to getting this deal um, after, you know, uh, Hackett uh, and Getze moved on. And he was asked about Rasheed Walker and do was just like, I'm not going to make stuff up. We got a long ways to go before I could, you know, convince he's the long term answer at left tackle. And he's been getting some credit uh, from people uh, saying, you know, he's getting better at left tackle and so forth. Run blocking. Uh, not so much, right? And how much do you really need to uh, have that guy be a good run blocker? And that goes for everybody up front now. With this new offense, this Matt LaFleur offense, where play-action pass is a big deal, running the football is a big deal to set up the offense, when they start to draft guys or sign guys in free agency, you know how big of a deal is going to be the ability to run block kind of going forward? I made mention of this. On Wednesday, when we had Eli Berkovitz on from Packer Report and the Packer Day podcast, that uh, on the All-22, there was one play where Rasheed Walker went into a pass block set when it was a run play. Like, completely had no idea what was going on. Um, so, again, he's not the, the only one that has issues as far as run blocking. Uh, in that last game, Runny got absolutely manhandled on one play and just completely missed the guy. Uh, Elton Jenkins and Myers, I think, got crossed up once or twice uh, in that game as well. Walker had issues run blocking, and Aaron Jones still had over 100 yards, even with all the other issues going on up front with that offensive line. But I thought it was just brutal honesty from Senovich, like, yeah, no, this isn't his job long term. Let's let's not write him in, you know, in permanent marker that he's the guy kind of going forward. And for obviously for a couple reasons, one. You still have David Bakhtiari under contract, right? So you still have to respect the fact that Bakhtiari is still here. And number two, you know, be honest. Because come draft time, you know, if they go draft a tackle, and then it's like, oh, hey, this is our guy. And Sadovich is up there said, oh, no, I think Rasheed Walker's left tackle of the future. You know, it makes you look kind of stupid. So you got to kind of play that the right way and be honest. And I, I think he was for the most part. Luke Musgrave, uh, the tight end who had the lacerated kidney, uh, he seems to think that it's, you know, all systems go this week. That last week was kind of just trying to get him back into the rhythm of playing football, right? Get that first hit, get that first catch, get him back into going. And now that uh, he did that, now he thinks, you know, be fully implemented into the game plan uh, and be more of a factor going into this game against the Dallas Cowboys. I've mentioned it before, and I'll say it again. Uh, it, it may not be fully there this week against Dallas, but I expect it to be fully there in 2024 in the regular season for the Packers. Uh, what they're going to be able to do with all these wide receivers and having two really good tight ends uh, and the different things that they can devise uh, and kind of pick who they want matched up on who, essentially, to take advantage of the defense, 
uh, is going to be scary, scary good for this Packers offense going forward. Um, and hopefully, we'll start to see a little bit of this against Dallas, where you know, they have both tight ends on the field, both tight ends running routes, both tight ends creating problems, uh, and one of them gets going, or maybe both of them get going. Maybe this is the game where you know one of these tight ends leads the team in receiving, and it's not one of the receivers. Maybe Musgrave or Kraft go over 100 yards in this game. Uh, who knows? Uh, and you know, I don't. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility that one of them could go over 100 yards in this game against uh, the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see how that goes. But good to hear that he is ready to rock and roll uh, for this week in this wild card round against the Cowboys. All right, take a quick time. I'll come back, and then we will get into confident, concerned, and curious. Also, I've been having numbers I've wanted to get to all week long. On Monday, I wanted to get to them. Never got to them. Wednesday with Eli Berkovitz, wanted to get to them. Never got to them. Well, I'm all by myself today, so I'm nobody to blame but myself if I can't figure this out. Uh, on on this podcast here on Friday. I'm not getting to the numbers. So we'll get to these numbers uh, that I think you'll be very happy about. I've been collecting them all week long. Uh, and then, of course, we have to make our predictions. That would be me making my prediction uh, at the end of the show uh, as well. Take a quick time out. Back after this, confident, concerned, and curious Packers-Cowboys this weekend. Don't forget, download the Curtin Long podcast uh, on your uh Odyssey app or wherever you download your favorite podcast at. Also, you can check us out on the YouTube page on the Odyssey Sports page uh, as well as we live stream a lot of these shows there. And of course, they live there forever too. Back after this. Hey, it's C Sparky, 5 or 12.50 a.m. The Fan. You can follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. Check out all the fine interviews uh, throughout the week that I do uh, from time to time. Uh, the latest interview up now at 12.50 a.m. The Fan with Ty Dunn of the GoLongTD.com website. Uh, him and Bob McGinn do a great job over there. Though Bob McGinn, obviously the longtime uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel Packer beat writer. Uh, they do segments with Brett Favre uh, every week as well. This week's edition with Brett Favre uh, talking about his thoughts on Jordan Love, his thoughts on what Mike McCarthy might be thinking about heading into this game uh, as Cowboys coach going up against his former team, the Green Bay Packers, uh, plus a, a great piece by uh, Tyler Dunn and Bob McGinn uh, talking about why they think, both of them think, the Packers uh, we'll beat the Dallas Cowboys this week, and you want to check that out. Again, go longtd.com and check out the interview I did with Tyler Dunn at 1250amthefan.com or on your Odyssey app. You can just go to Best Packers Coverage, too, if you have that, and on your Spotify. You know, follow, subscribe, all that fun stuff. Every time there's a Packer interview I do throughout the year, boop, pops right in uh, if you uh, subscribe to that one. Okay, let's talk about confident, concern, and curious. We'll start with confident going into this one. And I, I this is what I'll say I'm confident in. I'm confident... Um, that this Packers team is going to be able to move the football, uh, maybe not with as much ease as they've done in the past, because Micah Parsons is going to create problems. There's just absolutely no question. He's going to create problems against different offensive linemen, and he's going to get pressure, and, and he's going to you know, cause some havoc. But I still think, with that being said, that this Packers offense will still figure out a way to score you know, 17, 20 points, somewhere in that area, uh, before this game is said and done. Now, the Cowboys are averaging 37 at home. They're undefeated at home this year, 8-0. and zero. Uh, So if they score on their average, Packers are going to get hammered, right? I mean, could lose 37-20, 37-17, right? May not be close. But I don't, I, I don't think I can say I'm confident they're going to score 35 points. I'm just, I'm not there yet. Not yet. Uh, and mainly because Cowboys are at home. They play better at home. Micah Parsons is a beast. Max Crosby was a beast. They had all kinds of problems. 
uh, with him uh, with the Raiders, and they moved him around uh, as well on that Raider team. And it was brought up that they haven't faced a team all year that moves uh, a dominant defensive player around like the Dallas Cowboys do. And uh, I want to believe the person they said uh, did it the uh, last like this was Jadavian Clowney when he was going strong for the Texans was the last time they saw somebody get moved around this much. So communication is going to be a big thing. Uh, I'm making sure somebody always, you know, gets hands on this dude so he's not free co- coming free at Jordan Love and hammering Jordan Love into the ground. Uh, but for me, I, I still think it's, you know, 17 to 20 points. The other reason I think it's 17 to 20 points is because I think possessions um, are going to be at a minimum in this game. I don't think both teams are going to get a ton of possessions. You've seen it here the last couple of weeks with the Packers. They put together these long, time-consuming drives that end in field goals or touchdowns or whatever, but they have the ball a lot because of running, completions, clocks rolling, not a lot of incompletions. What, Jordan Love had five incompletions last week. Um, they don't haven't punted all that much the last couple of weeks uh, either. Um, the Dallas Cowboys also could put together some long, time-consuming drives uh, when Mike McCarthy gets convinced that he should run the football a little bit more. And again, they're not great at running the football, uh, but they also could put together some time-consuming drives. And we know that Joe Barry uh, is all about pitching catch football on the offense and letting a team methodically move downfield and then hoping to shut them out of the end zone and give up three. So possessions uh, may be at a premium in this game against the Cowboys uh, as we look ahead to that wild-card game on Sunday. But I'm confident this team will get 17 or 20 points, get a couple touchdowns, maybe a field goal or two. Uh, that's where I see it for the Packers' offense. Concerns. My first concern is Micah Parsons, right? Don't let Micah Parsons get five or six sacks in this game and have some, you know, Hall of Fame like day. Make sure to, you know, minimize this as much as possible. Micah Parsons gets one or two sacks. It's not end of the world. But you can't have Micah Parsons destroying the game plan again, like Crosby did for the Raiders. Can't have it. You have to be able to have him under more control than you did going back to that Raiders game with Crosby. So that's my first concern. My second concern uh, in this game, obviously, is going to be C.D. Lamb. Now, I still think, and maybe I'm fooling myself, but I still think Joe Barry has done a fairly good job on number one wide receivers throughout the course of the year. Um, and sometimes, number two guys, like a Chris Godwin, you know, may torch you and may be the reason why you lose, and that's going to happen. So maybe Brandon Cooks or Ferguson end up being the reason the Packers lose. And again, if that happens, I'm not going to be all that mad. But what I don't want to see is I don't want to see CD Lamb go for a buck 75 and three touchdowns. That would be horrendous. Like you can't can't have that type of stuff uh, happening, right? You you want to make sure that you keep him under control and make Prescott throw the ball somewhere else to somebody else uh, to beat you. Curious. I'm curious to see what the game plan looks like for the Green Bay Packers coming into this thing. There's been some people uh, that I've seen on social media talking about they think the game plan is going to be run heavy. Uh, Not as much throwing uh, maybe as in other games because the Cowboys aren't great against the run either. So they think that maybe you can run on the Cowboys uh, a little bit in this game. I want to say the Cowboys somewhere in the middle of the pack. So if... They can get the ground game going uh, in this one with Aaron Jones and Patrick Taylor and whoever else they decide to throw out there. That would be a big deal. 
Uh, and again, going back to time-consuming drives, it's a big deal because it means your defense has allowed the chance and opportunity to rest. Um, and you don't want to be in a position where they're, you know, Cowboys are owning time of possession and the defense can't get off the field. So you wonder how much that factors into, you know, exactly what the Green Bay Packers are going to do game plan wise going into this one. Because if I'm Matt LaFleur, I am factoring it in. I am thinking about the fact of, I don't want my defense on the field. <laughs> I really don't. Like the less that they're on the field, the better it is for the Packers organization going forward in this game. So I, I think that has to come into it. Time consuming drives as much as possible, which involves running the football a bunch. Uh, so we'll see uh, what happens there. Uh, all right, so uh, let's take a quick timeout. Come back on the other side, and let's talk about these numbers that'll make you smile. I mean, they are going to put a smile on your face. They're going to make you forget about the snow. They're going to make you forget about the cold weather. Uh, it's going to feel like you know you're in warm, sunny Hawaii or something. I don't know. I'm just some warm tropical destination everybody seems to want to go to. Uh, we'll talk about that coming up next uh, here on the Curtin Long Podcast. Steve Sparky, Fiverr flying solo uh, this week. Ryan Horvat, Pet MGM tonight. Uh, he'll be back. Uh, coming up on Monday. Looking forward to talking to him. Check him out on the BetQL Radio Network weeknights uh, with Trista Crick and uh, Nick Cashew as you're watching the games. And of course, download this current along podcast on your Odyssey app or if you download your favorite podcast at, uh, as well as check us out on the Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Follow, like, subscribe, hit the bell for notifications, all that fun stuff. Back after this. Back on Kurt and Long, Steve Sparky Pfeiffer with you, 12.50 a.m. The Fan, uh, along with you, just you and me, uh, and some fun, fun numbers uh, to go over here as we get ready for Packers and Cowboys coming up on Sunday. So I, I, I don't know how much of this stuff you've actually seen or not seen or whatever the case may be, because like I said, I've, I've, I've held on to this uh, since uh, the game last week, I guess it is, somewhere in that area. Uh, and the numbers are just so much fun. It, it really is. Uh, so, for instance, uh, let's go over some of them. Uh, this is from Ross Uglum on Twitter. Devontae White finished the year with uh, year two with 48 quarterback pressures, seven sacks, uh, and a pass rush win rate of 16.1%. In the 2022 draft class of defensive linemen, that would put Devontae White first in pressures in that draft class, first in sacks in that draft class, first in pass rush win rate in that draft class, and he can get much, much better, uh, says Ross Uglum. Uh, and that's just just unbelievable. I mean, you saw flashes of Devontae Wyatt last year at the end of last year. Um, and now you're starting to see a little bit more consistency uh, going forward here with Devontae Wyatt. So future bright uh, for the product out of Georgia, for sure. Uh, Jordan Love uh, completed 84.4% of his passes uh, last week against the Bears. That's the best pass completion percentage for a Packers quarterback against the Bears since at least 1950 per Stadhead. Woo! Again, just all really, really good stuff. Aaron Nagler, Jaden Reed is the first Green Bay rookie to lead the team in receptions and receiving yards since Sterling Sharp in 1988. Again, I told you. These numbers are going to put a smile on your face. They're going to make you happy, right? They're going to make you want to roll around in your Packer gear and feel all the love of being a Packer fan. It's just so good. Uh, Zach Cruz wasn't quite run the table, but Jordan Love's final eight games came damn close. 196 of 279 for 2,150 yards, 18 touchdown passes, one pick, a passer rating of 112.7. Two rushing touchdowns, Packers 6-2, and two, and that last eight-game stretch. Just so good. So, so, so good. 
some of these numbers for sure. And again, going into this game, right, you got the two quarterbacks that lead the league uh, in touchdowns, Dak Prescott with 36, uh, and Jordan Love with 32 uh, from uh, Elias Sports. This marks the first time in NFL history that the outright top two touchdown pass leaders will face off in their team's playoff opener, uh, this being the wild card round. That's really good. Here's here's some more stuff. This is from NFL on CBS. Jordan Love led the league outright with the most starts this season, nine, with multiple passing touchdowns and no interceptions. The last quarterback to do this in their first career season as a primary starting quarterback, Roger Staubach in 1971. And when they say primary starting quarterback, that means uh, more than 50% of the team starts you started at quarterback. Uh, That's what they mean by that. So, again... The last quarterback to do that in the first career season as a primary starting quarterback was Roger Staubach in 1971. Jordan Love, man, just doing his thing. A pack daddy uh, put this on uh, Twitter a few days ago. Dontavian Wicks, a rookie fifth-round pick, ended the regular season as a 24th-ranked receiver via Pro Football Focus. Since week five, he's the 12th best receiver in the league. Remember, when we talk about Wicks... He wasn't a guy really in the conversation at the beginning of the year. It was about Watson. It was about Dobbs. It was about Reed, Toure. And Wicks really wasn't in the conversation that much. Now, going into next year, Wicks is definitely uh, in the meat and potatoes part of the conversation about the wide receiving core. Jordan Love's final NFL rankings from the first season as a Packers uh, starter. Touchdown passes second, as we said. Seventh in passing yards. Eighth in completions. Ninth in passer rating. Games with 100 or more passer rating tied for second. As Ryan Wood points out, he's already a top 10 quarterback. Already. And according to Matt LaFleur, he's just scratching the surface, y'all. Now, again, nobody's going to say he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. But to be a top 10 quarterback this fast in your first year as a starter with the youngest offense ever, damn near, uh, that, that says a lot, right? That says a lot. No question. Uh, then, uh, some other fun stuff. People are talking about how great this Packers draft class is, right? For Gutenkus. Lucas Van Ness, your first round pick. Uh, looks like he hit that one. Luke Musgrave and Jaden Reed in the second round. Yep. Yep. Uh, Tucker Kraft, the vaunted third round pick that never works. Uh, that one looks like it worked. Uh, Kobe Wooden, uh, the fourth round pick, defensive end. He's had some moments this year. Sean Clifford, hopefully we never see him in a regular season game. He's the backup quarterback. But he looked okay in preseason. Dontavian Wicks, a fifth round uh, pick. Uh, like I said, mean a potato part of this wide receiving core. Carl Brooks has had many moments this year. Sixth round pick, defensive tackle. Anders Carlson, we'll see. Uh, Carrington Valentine uh, has had his moments this year and has had a lot of run. Seventh round pick. Luke Nichols legitimately is the only draft pick that did not make this in play for this Packers team. That's crazy. Anthony Johnson, another seventh-round pick. He's seen time at safety and special teams. Grant DeBose now uh, it got a little bit of run this last week coming off of the practice squad. So, um, Or they brought him off the practice squad. I, don't, I think he actually played, though. Now that I'm thinking back about that. Uh, but either way, so DeBose now is going to put himself in a situation to be a part of this thing next year, too, I think. Now... Bruce Irons points out on social media, don't sleep on the 2022 draft class either. Quay Walker, Wyatt, Watson, uh, Ryan, who's probably the starting right guard next year over uh, running when they let him walk. Dobbs, Tom, Engelbare, and Rasheed Walker is quite a haul too. Brian Kunekunst is smart. Folks, uh, Bruce is right. I mean, if you take the 2023 draft class and the 22 draft class and look at all the key players you have in this playoff team right now, that's nuts. And now to think 
Now you're going to give Brian Gutekunst a one, two twos, two threes, and once they get compensation picks, they're going to have multiple fours probably uh, as well. I mean, this this here, you want to talk about rebuilding a team on the fly. Uh, that is kind of what he's been doing here the last three years, three, four years or so. Now, again, maybe those first initial couple of drafts, like the Jordan Love draft was not a very good draft. You know, looking back on it, wasn't very good. Now, Jordan Love makes that draft look a lot better if he's your quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years, obviously. Uh, but after that, there wasn't much to write home about, obviously, in that draft. And then you you come forward. But 23 and 22 draft class, really good. No question about that. Here's another fun style. Make you smile. Aaron Jones, career versus the Cowboys. 62 carries, 370 yards. 123 yards per game. Six yards per carry. Six touchdowns. Never lost to the Cowboys. That makes you feel good, I would think, at this point. Here's another one. Jacob Morley, our guy. Uh, Jordan loved deep passing since week nine, right? Uh, 46 attempts. That's third most in the NFL. First in completions. Amount of completions, 23. Completion percentage, he's fourth on deep passes, 50%. First in touchdowns, seven deep passing touchdowns. Only one pick. Big time throws, according to Pro Football Focus. He's got 18 of those. That's first in the NFL. Pro Football Focus passing grade, 95.4. Second in the NFL, considered elite. NFL quarterback rating, 126.4. Remember, please do remember, everybody was saying, Jordan Love can't throw the deep ball. Jordan Love can't throw the deep ball. Hell, I was one of the people going, man, he's got to figure that out. I mean, that's that's got to be a key part of this. He's got to throw that deep ball better. Well, don't look now. He figured it out. I mean, he's getting a lot better. And, and again, you're talking deep passing, I would assume. I don't know exactly what the number is, but I, I would assume it's anything over 20 or 25 yards uh, would be my guess. Uh, and he's doing that uh, on a pretty regular basis uh, at this point. So that is uh, a lot of fun as well. So uh, again, like I said, a lot of happy, positive numbers uh, to make you smile. How about this? Rudy Ford, 30.1 passer rating allowed in coverage this season. That is first among all NFL safeties. First. That's from Pro Football Focus as well. And again, Rudy Ford, you know, didn't get slid to the Pro Bowl. Not all pro. Keyshawn Nixon all pro, though. Congratulations. Even though didn't feel like watching Keyshawn Nixon this year that he was an all pro player necessarily. Uh, but happy for him. Obviously, very, very happy for him uh, that you know he was able to uh, get that uh, All-Pro this year, for sure. Uh, let's see if I got any other fun numbers here. I think that's all I've got for numbers for the most part. Oh, here's another one from Jacob Morley. Jordan Love, third and fourth quarter passing numbers this year. Passing touchdowns, 19 first in the NFL. Total touchdowns in third and fourth quarters, 21 first in the NFL. Passing yards in the second half of games, I'll just say that, that's easier. 2,396 first in the NFL. Completions in the second half of games this year, 195 first in the NFL. That is coming courtesy of the Packers' dope sheet. Guys, I mean... Just you just smile. Here's something else from the Packers dope sheet. Uh, Jordan Love recorded three games this season with a completion percentage above 74, 200 passing yards, 200 or more passing yards, and no interceptions. Okay, so he did it three times. Other Green Bay quarterbacks with those numbers ever. Bart Starr did it twice. Brett Favre did it three times. Love did it three times just this year. Rodgers did it eight times in his career. Rodgers is the only other quarterback in team history to do it two times. In one season. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now, folks. This dude is legit. Legit. I tell you. And it is going to be 
Fun, fun, fun. Uh, Patrick Dobshi, Jaden Reed is the first rookie in NFL history to court 60-plus receptions, 750-plus receiving yards, 8-plus receiving touchdowns, 100-plus rushing yards, 2-plus rushing touchdowns. First rookie in NFL history to record all of those. Guys, how are you not smiling and how are you not happy about all those numbers? All right, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back on the other side. I'll give you my prediction for Packers and Cowboys coming up on Sunday, Wild Card Weekend. Uh, it's going to be a fun one this weekend. Uh, and I got myself in a conundrum about what is happening during the Packer game in my life. I'll tell you all about that, too. That's coming up next. It is Curd and Long. Downloaded on your Odyssey app, wherever you download your favorite podcast. And, of course, uh, Odyssey YouTube, Odyssey Sports YouTube page. Uh, stream those bad boys there, plus those videos live there as well. Like, subscribe, follow, hit that bell for notifications, all that fun stuff. Back after this. All right, back on Curd and Long. See Sparky Fiber. Follow me on Twitter at Sparky Radio. My guy, Ryan Horvat, normally here. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Horvat, host of BetMGM Tonight, weeknights, part of the BetQL Radio Network, Trista Crick and Nick Ashu during the games. So you have them on in the background, listen to them to give you some betting advice. Uh, and I was just actually on that show uh, last night, Thursday night, talking about the Packer uh, and Cowboy game. And that was another situation where I'm on hold and Horvat is giving last-minute advice on an Illinois college basketball game and wanting to bet the over and it's about to tip. Hurry up and make your bet now. I mean, that's the type of stuff you get uh, while you listen to that show. Betting advice throughout the night on how you can make some more money. I don't know. It's it, it's a fun show and uh, Horvath obviously is awesome. All right, let's talk about predictions. First off, before I make the prediction, I will tell you that Sunday, um, Packers, Cowboys, they play at like 3.30, right? The Bucks are at home and they play at 6. I really thought the Bucks would move their game time to like 7 o'clock. I really did. I did not think that they would sit at 6 uh, and essentially make people leave their house in the middle of the Packer game to go watch the Bucks game. Now, I bought tickets for this said game and bought lower bowl tickets, which I never normally do, uh, because it's my 16, soon to be 17-year-old's birthday. His birthday is next Sunday. His favorite basketball team is the Sacramento Kings. As many of you know, if you listen to the Green and Grunt podcast with Nathan Marziano and myself, um, and he asked if we could go to the game, uh, and I said, sure, for your birthday, I'll get a couple of tickets, and you and I can go. So we're going to have to leave the house, you know, somewhere around 5.15 uh, in order to get to the stadium in time for tip and so forth. I really, really hope they have the Spacker game on the TVs at Fiserv form. I really, really hope that is the case. So, you know, he can watch his Kings play the Bucks, and I'm going to go watch the Packer game because, again, it's it's a regular season game. I, I'm not as involved in the regular season games as – uh, probably a lot of people are. Uh, and uh, this is what, my third or fourth game uh, this year as well. So uh, this Bucks team, you know, they played really well their last game. Uh, obviously, the Celtics, you know, quit playing at halftime and didn't send their starters back out. So that's good. Uh, do they play that well again on Sunday? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. They'll have to deal with DeMontis Sabonis, who's been playing really well uh, as of late. Uh, okay. So my conundrum is going to be, obviously, once I get there, hopefully it's somewhere on a TV. Because um, I have no idea how to watch it on my phone if it's not on a TV. So hopefully uh, that's the case. I'll have it recorded at home. I can always watch it later, but I prefer to watch it live, obviously. This game's at Dallas. Undefeated Cowboys at home, all that stuff. Mike McCarthy is their coach. So obviously there is a, a factor there. The good thing is McCarthy doesn't really know anybody on this Packers offense other than Aaron Jones, I guess. Uh, Bakhtiari's not playing. So uh, really it's just Aaron Jones. That's going to be out there. Uh, so from that perspective, 
um, there, there's not much to know. The one good thing about this, I was thinking about this today, watching the LaFleur press conference is, remember LaFleur and Dan Quinn were together um, in Atlanta because LaFleur worked under Quinn when Quinn was the head coach with the Falcons. So if anybody knows uh, Quinn's tendencies and what he likes to do in certain situations and how he thinks, Matt LaFleur would be that guy. And if you know Matt LaFleur, this dude uh, is always paying attention to everything and taking notes and making notes and all that stuff. So I promise you, if anybody knows Dan Quinn, it's Matt LaFleur at this point who worked with the guy, sat in team meetings with the guy, heard how his brain works and how he likes to attack different situations. So he's going to have an idea, I would think, of what he's going to see in this game going ahead. So I think that's kind of advantage of Green Bay Packers. Not advantage Green Bay Packers is this offensive line against Micah Parsons. You know, especially if if they decide to to kind of come running up the middle at Runyon and Myers. And that means both of them are going to have to make the right decision. Oh, God help us. Um, I don't know if I trust that either. So uh, we'll see what happens. And Rasheed Walker is going to be really tested. You know, are they going to have to chip? Uh, what are they going to have to do to keep him off of Jordan Love? That is going to be one of the major storylines in this game. And then, of course, the Lamb and what he can do. Uh, that was another concern I had. I haven't been picking the Packers. I haven't. Um, and part of the reason is because of Joe Barry. Right, I don't trust Joe Barry. I mean, did a good job against the Vikings, right? Couple backup quarterbacks. Did a great job against the Bears and Justin Fields. Kind of completely held them in check and kept them out of sorts. Bears fans were blaming Luke Getze for the game plan and so forth because they weren't taking shots down the field. DJ Moore was, you know, talking his talk, talking and complaining about the same thing. And eventually, it got Getze fired as offensive coordinator. Yet they kept Eberflus as coach going into next year. Cowboys, different animal than those two guys. Different animal, much tougher. I saw a lot of y'all going after Rob Demosky of ESPN uh, about, you know, what he had to say on some Dallas radio station about, you know, the Cowboys and the Packers. What, what, do, you, what do you all disagree with? Like, what did he say that was so wrong? Like, I, I don't understand. This is, this is something that irritates me. Just quickly, I'm going to rant here at the end. Listen closely. When you cover a football team, you are a beat writer, right? That does not make you a fan. That does not mean you have to be overly positive and not critical uh, for your football team or your basketball team or, or your baseball team. And somewhere along the line in the last five years, maybe a little bit longer, we've come onto this narrative where if a beat writer says something negative, he must hate the team, he must hate a certain player, he must hate the owner, he must hate the the coach or the manager, and why is he covering the team if he doesn't like us? Get a life, people. Get a damn life. They're doing their jobs. That's it. Nothing else. Seriously, just get off their back. They're just doing their gig, man. They're, they're entitled to have their opinion. The man covered the Packers all year long. He's watched them all year long. Now, Demosky has not been at every Cowboy game and all that, but neither have I. Here I am talking about it. So, again, I'm going to pick the Cowboys 27-17 uh, over the Green Bay Packers. I think the defense does good enough uh, to keep them under their average of 37 or 38 at home, but I just don't know if this Packers offense can score enough uh, to get to 27 or 30 points possibly in this one. Uh, that's that's kind of where my concern is. And, and again, I really think possessions are going to be limited. 
um, which means the Packers are going to pretty much have to score on each possession, uh, I think, to really have a chance at this thing. Because how many times can you really think that Joe Barry's defense is going to hold the, the Cowboys to a punt? What, what's a win? Three punts? If they hold the Cowboys to three punts, do the Packers win? They hold the Cowboys to two punts. Do they win? How about one? I, I would say if they hold the Cowboys to three punts, they win the football game. That's what I'll say. I don't know if they can. I don't think they can. Uh, but boy, oh boy, how cool is it going to be if they upset McCarthy and the Cowboys in Dallas? What's going to happen is everybody's going to be talking about McCarthy getting fired, you know, and possibly bringing in Belichick or somebody else to replace, you know, McCarthy in Dallas. It's going to create a complete crap storm. Uh, for McCarthy, for certain, if that happens. And that's going to be the unfortunate part, I guess, is you beat them on Sunday, and then the talking heads are going to get on TV Monday or Tuesday, and it's going to be all about the Cowboys sucking, and there's going to be absolutely no paying attention to what the Packers are doing and how great the Packers are. And in my opinion, if the Packers upset the Cowboys, that's all they should be talking about is not how Cowboys screwed it up, by about can you believe how good this Packers team is and with their ages and everything else and all these young stars and how good this team is going to be for the next several years? Oh, my God, the Green Bay Packers. That's what the talk should be. Mark my words. They beat the Cowboys. It's not what it's going to be. It's going to be all about the negatives, about the Cowboys, about Prescott. If he screws up in this game and throws a pick or two, uh, it's going to be about McCarthy. He's going to be on Jerry Jones to get rid of McCarthy. Like, And the Packers will be ignored. And then move on to their next week. And to be honest with you, I'm sure the Packers are fine being ignored. Just, yeah, keep us under the radar. That's fine. We'll just go on to, to play the next playoff game. But what a huge, huge victory it would be to beat the Cowboys. That'll do it for another uh, edition of Curd and Long. Again, follow me at Sparky Radio. Uh, we'll be back doing this one again next week. I think we're going to record on Monday. I'm not positive. I haven't talked to Horvath yet. Maybe we'll do a post game Sunday night. Uh, no, we can't Sunday night because I'm going to be at the Bucks game. So it's going to have to be a, a normal time slot show on Monday. Uh, as long as that works out the Ryan Horvath schedule. Enjoy the rest of your day. Enjoy the weekend. And if you are in the Milwaukee area, be safe digging yourself out of the snow uh, and enjoy your weekend. Again, I know we have extreme cold temperatures coming in by Sunday, I think it is. So be safe. Have a good one. Toodles.